Thanks for joining us here on this Tuesday. It's the second hour of the morning tailgate. Lindsey Brown, Clay Baker, and Vinny is live in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, a lot to get into today, as well as we will also have tickets for you to go see the Rugby Nationals over at Allegiant Stadium. We'll tell you more about that and also tell you more how you can win $2,024 just by listening to the morning tailgate. Jason Fitz joins us now from Yahoo Sports. He's also Raider Nation's Grammy winner, also heard on Fox Sports Radio. Juilliard grad, UNLV child prodigy, and he owns a Dobro. Who doesn't? Jason Fitz, good morning to you, sir. How are you? I am spectacular. How are you all doing? Oh, we're doing oh, great, well. Thank you. We're doing well. And last night I was Googling away, trying to clarify details of the latest Raiders news. And what comes across the top of my search? SEO warrior Jason Fitz pounding the table. Stop wasting top talent. What do you think is the least wasteful course of action over the next two months? The least wasteful course of action over the next two months? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, in, in what sense? Uh, like it, for for the team and, and the development overall, I I mean I think the least wasteful thing that the organization could do first is identify exactly where they think they are right now, and then figure out how to spend from that process. Right? Like we as fans want everything to be about Super Bowls every single day. I think the organization's got to take a long look in the mirror and make sure that they're on the same page because there's a weird section happening right now. The Raiders have some very talented players, and it's resulted in not enough wins for the last couple of years. Right? So you got to decide that you're going to continue to be all in on an annual year-to-year uh, sort of re, re I don't want to say rebuild, but a year-to-year rehashing of the entire roster, or are you going to try and actually slow and low develop some stuff? Because I don't think, you know, realistically there are some young players on this team that are very good, but also there's pressure on an organization that's trying to figure out how to maximize mm-hmm. Devontae and Max while they're at their peak. So I, I think the least wasteful course of action first is identifying who you are. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Um, let's just say that the New England Patriots and the Tennessee Titans are open for business with their first-round picks, okay? And let's say that the New England Patriots and the Raiders uh, come calling. The Raiders are interested in, in Jaden uh, Daniels. Let's just say it's going to be this year's first, next year's first, and third, and then a 2026 first-round pick. Is the gap between Jaden and J.J. McCarthy so uh, uh, significant that you would be willing to give that up rather than maybe deal with the Titans for one less first-round pick, everything else is, is the same to get McCarthy? That's a great question, and I'm not skating it. I will say this. I don't know enough about J.J. And then this what, what we talked about last week. Like, I can't for the life – like, look, how can we have two things be true at once? I'm supposed to believe that Jim Harbaugh is a brilliant coach. Now, he just won a national championship, so obviously figure something out, right? But also – I, was JJ really the reason they won? We all know the answer to that is no. Like I, I don't, I don't really know if JJ's a great quarterback. I know he won. I don't know if he's a great quarterback. So like, I think that's really curious. And you make a great point. I, I will give you a Jaden Daniels nugget that I think has to be put into this conversation too. I talked to three different people: two that are tape junkies that are very good at what they do, and one that's an analytics junkie. And I did not inform any of them of anyone else's opinion. I simply asked. Give me your thoughts on Jaden Daniels. And the funny thing is the two tape junkies independent said, if you go back and watch all the film over the course of the year, it is concerning that when the pocket isn't clean, things get a little bit messy for Jaden. That was two different. They both said get messy, right? So last night for Zero Blitz on Yahoo Sports, I was talking to an analytics guru, and I said, tell me about Jaden Daniels. And he said that there's a pocket percentage stat, and essentially – Advanced analytics people look at this and they say when things get bad, 
you know, in the pocket, how do you do? The lower the number, the better is the way this particular stat works. And for point of reference, in college, Mahomes' number was about 11.3%. In the pros, his number is about 11.4%. They have found, looking at the last 10 or 15 years, that the number from college transfers to the number in the pros. The analytics expert I talked to last night said last year, this, two seasons ago, I should say, Jaden Daniels' number was in the 30s. Last year, it was in the 20s. No quarterback has ever been selected in the first round that has a pocket pressure number as bad as Jaden Daniels is, which shows when things break down, absolutely not good. So I said, if I'm making you my advisor, would you select Jaden Daniels to be the quarterback of your team? His answer to me without hesitation was only if I trust that I have two tackles that can protect him. Because if I don't, I don't know that he's going to be a great pro. So I now have three different people that have told me the same thing about Jaden Daniels, that if the offensive line isn't perfect, things get hairy. I think that factors into the very question you're asking me, because if you're the Raiders and you look around and say, man, do we trust our offensive line to be so good that Jaden can be the best version of himself? And the answer to, if the answer to that is no, then absolutely I would trade less to get J.J. Like you, that's the hard part of this whole evaluation is trying to figure out not just who you have, but how can you make that person successful? Wow, that's very scathing, especially for an offensive line that should be absolutely rife with talent that Jaden Daniels wasn't working with. And in that regard, J- Jason, we're speaking with Jason Fitz from Yahoo Sports, then how important is it for a like a West Coast offense to find the right kind of offensive line in free agency? And how much are we, you willing to spend then if you go and try to trade up to go and get a Jaden Daniels? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. And, and this is where... You know, uh, we always hear football's built from the inside out, right? And I, I think that there's a lot of truth to that. So if you're the Raiders, you've really got to look at your offensive line and make sure that you feel particularly good. I mean, we all know Colton Miller's turned out to be a very good player. We all know that. I'm not questioning Colton at all. But I think the rest of the offensive line, you're going to have to look at this regime's going to have to look at him and say, do we have the right guys in the right place? I, I think to oversimplify here, we, we all believe that the Raiders need to take a quarterback. And part of what I tweeted the other day is that everybody's convinced their method's the only right method. Well, I would say this. If you absolutely, as an organization, this is such oversimplification, but if as an organization you are wildly in love with Caleb Williams, Drake May, or Jaden Daniels, I'd pay whatever it takes to get one of the three of them. If you're not, I wouldn't pay anything. Like, I think you either got to be all in or all out on the guy. And if you're not all in or all out, like as much as we all think you have to take a quarterback, and I agree with that, you have to be able to get to a quarterback that you're all in on. So, there is a real part of me that continues to look at it and say, man, if, he, if they walk out of India and they're not in love with J.J. McCarthy and they can't get to Jaden Daniels or they're not in love with Jaden Daniels or nobody's willing to make the trades they want, then I think the organization is going to have to look around and say, okay, well, by the time they pick, there's going to be a day one starting offensive lineman available to them. And that's mm-hmm. not, there's going to be a day one starting defensive lineman available. Mm-hmm. If we believe that football is built in the trenches, we all agree that the quarterback that you need long-term is not in the room. However, if you simply can't acquire the quarterback, and I think that's a real thing we have to look at, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you're going to have to look around and be like, all right, well, let, can we get to Joe Alt? Can we get to, you know, one of the, can we get to J.C. Latham? Can we get to one of the big offensive linemen that seems to be well-regarded? Or do we sit there and take a Byron Murphy, like a, a big defensive tackle that you put next to Max and makes an immediate difference on the defense? Like, that's the thing. The other part of this equation is, are you willing to be desperate to move up for somebody when there may be a day one starter that makes your team drastically better right there for you? I know we all want a quarterback. I just I can't rub the, the magic lamp and, and necessarily manufacture one. 
Oh, that's some common sense that you're spitting out there, Fitzy, because I, I'm totally fine if the Raiders do end up with one of those top guys on the offensive or defensive line because I know that that's going to be likely just as sound of an investment. It's not going to be as sexy. It's not going to be as sellable. It'll probably be one of the first decisions that this regime has made that might go against a lot of what Raider Nation has been calling for, asking for, but I just think that there's something to be said about this draft class and the selling point that it is. There's so many talented guys, but there is a breaking point in, in those price points. And so I'm glad that you're taking that stand and that you have a willingness to allow that into our imagination because it very well could transpire that way. But I do want to ask about a team that I think is going to be in the mix. We haven't really discussed them a whole lot on this program yet, but if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, what do you do about your quarterback position? Because they're in a very unique position themselves. They're currently slotted to draft at 20th. TJ Watt isn't getting any younger, and that defense in general found a way to keep them in in a very ferocious uh, division where do you think that they're thinking uh, of going at that position and how does that affect the Raiders? Look, I, I think the Steelers are going to be a sexy pick for a veteran quarterback, right? Yeah. So if, uh, like, if a Kirk Cousins, and by the way, I mean, we're just presuming that Kirk's going to be a spring chicken coming off of an Achilles injury. I don't love that. Uh, if Russ, if, right. if a guy like that wants to go somewhere where they have the chance to win right away, what do we know about Mike Tomlin? We know he never has losing seasons. We know that there are good pieces on that team all over the place, talent-wise. And we also know that Tomlin is the type to give a quarterback a ton of rope. He will give a ton of, a quarterback a ton of say, a ton of leverage. So if you're a veteran guy and you want to go in and really find a way to win, I think that the Steelers make a ton of sense. But that being said, I also think that that veteran quarterback needs to have an understanding of probably you are at best if things break right for the Steelers. You're the third best team in your own division. I mean, the Ravens, as much as the Ravens were a disaster against the Chiefs, they were the best team for the regular season for a reason, right? And the Bengals are going to get Joe Burrow back. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think the Steelers have a little bit of a, a very similar to, you know, as Raider Nation knows, like sometimes you got to look around the division and say, okay, like, wh- what are we fighting for and how are we trying to get there? So I, I don't think in that sense there's some issue if you're a veteran quarterback just trying to go somewhere to win the Super Bowl. And that pass is going to be tough for Pittsburgh. It's going to be tougher than it is a lot of places. But – Tomlin is so well-regarded in the league. Veteran quarterbacks are going to want to play for him. So I, I think when we hit free agency, whatever quarterback has Pittsburgh on their mind, that's going to be the first choice. Like It's a, it's a moat difference between playing for Pittsburgh and playing somewhere else because of the pieces they have, because of Tomlin's respect within the league, and because of the fact that veteran quarterbacks get so much say there. We have no idea if that's going to be the case or not in Vegas, for example. Yeah, yeah, and don't forget the Arthur Smith uh, factor in Pittsburgh. I think that's an offensive coordinator uh, that a veteran quarterback would be interested in in, in playing with as well. So I'm with you. I think that a veteran quarterback uh, is something to keep an eye on uh, uh, there there in Pittsburgh. And, you know, uh, just listening to to both you and Lindsay talking about the common sense, I think what you're going to get from Tom Telesco is common sense. I don't think he's going to panic and and trade up to go get a quarterback just because they feel they need a quarterback it's going to be because he's convicted about that quarterback which goes back to really jj mccarthy i think he's such an intriguing uh component here at the combine is where do the raiders feel about jj mccarthy after they walk out of the combine and is it enough to maybe trade up uh, to go get him so some definitely some fascinating subplots but of the tackles that you talk about if the Raiders stood there at 13 or maybe moved up a little bit who's the guy that you like uh, as, as the offensive tackle in, in that kind of a scenario well look I mean I don't think he'll still be available but Alt is uh, every this is what I always do 
when it comes to fat guys. I like to talk to fat guys about fat guys, right? Like, so I've got my inner circle of fat guys that I just reach out to. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at draft tackles. What do I need? I'm looking at offensive linemen. What do I need? And I haven't seen fat guys. Like, you want to talk about walking into, like, a Cinnabon buffet? That's how excited <laughs> fat guys are about Joe Walt. Like, he yeah, just feels like tremendous. day one you walk in and it's like, yeah, this is clear cut. This guy is a day one starter. He is a day one difference maker. You put him there, you set it, you forget it, and you don't have to think about the tackle position for the next 10 years. That, like, that I, I haven't heard guys rave about his uh, about a skill set the way they've raved, raved about him for years. So I think that that's an absolute, you know, when you start talking about guys to look at, like, all is probably going to go, if the Titans don't move down, it's because the Titans realize that their offensive line is just hot garbage. It is trash and they want to take the opportunity to get the guy that they can just fix that issue with, I would respect the hell out of the Titans doing it. I think the problem is the Titans roster is so bad that they might have to trade down. And what's interesting about that is if you are the Raiders, are you willing to trade up for a can't-miss offensive lineman? I, I don't think so, but right. all is going, there's going to be a trade market for him. And what's interesting about that pick seven particularly – so let's all just walk this exercise real quick. One, two, and three are going to be quarterbacks. I think everybody agrees on that. One, two, and three are going to be quarterbacks. And I've talked to people that think Jaden Daniels is going to be two. So the trade for three might be to try and get Drake May, right? So mm. one, two, and three are quarterbacks. Then you're starting to look at four is going to be wide receiver to Arizona. Five in most mocks is a wide receiver. Six is a wide receiver. Three big wide receivers in this draft. That means seven is going to be sort of the landing spot if you look at a lot of these these mocks for the best player that's not a quarterback or wide receiver. There's so much leverage that comes with that opportunity, right, that you'll basically be able to look at your draft board and say, okay, well, these two positions have been picked a little bit. Now what, right? So I think there's real power there for uh, the Titans to be able to get a ton for Joe Alt. It's going to cost them to get it. But, man, if the Raiders walked out of this draft in the first round, didn't get a quarterback, but you told me that they got all, I would look at it and I'd be like, okay, that, that feels like that makes sense. And I understand why they did what they did. Jason Fitz, Yahoo Sports for nearly two decades. I mean, as an era where you spanned it, where you were covering the NFL draft as both a host and analyst. You know the interview process is very important here in the NFL Combine for quarterbacks. Beyond the physical drills, uh, which quarterback do you think could benefit the most from the Combine interviews to set himself apart from the pack? Yeah, I, I think that the, the answer, well, I know the answer to that's JJ. I, I've, I've talked to all of them at this point at different times. JJ's just, JJ McCarthy's going to shine. And okay. I'm genuinely curious after talking to Michael Penix Jr. in the national championship game and then spending time with him at Super Bowl week. He's an engaging kid. He's a nice kid, but he's not like a natural born dinner communicator, if you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. there are certain guys that the minute they sit down, they just sort of control the, the, the vibe in the field, J.J. was that. Like, when, when you talk to J.J., it feels like everybody, he has a way to make everybody really comfortable. He has a way to make everybody feel like, yeah, this guy, he's got it factor sitting at the table. And uh, you're 1,000% right. The most important thing that comes out of the entire combine, in my opinion, is absolutely without question that you get to interview so many people in so little time. I think J.J. is going to absolutely shine. And then he's going to shine throwing the football because we haven't seen him throw the football at Michigan the, the other side of it is Michael Penix Jr. He's quieter, right? Like, I, I really genuinely noticed that at the Super Bowl, that's the third time I've, I've spent, you know, 10, 15 minutes with him. And in the process of my third meeting with him, he started to open up a little bit. He's a funny kid. He's a good kid. 
he's he's got like a he's definitely got an engaging personality. It took three meetings to get that out of him for me. I'm not an intimidating NFL owner, right? So I, I'm curious to see what happens to the stock of Michael Penix Jr. from the interview portion because I'm not sure he's as big a personality as we're used to from the rest of the guy. Like Caleb Williams is he's he's a big personality, like it or not. You know, like he's a big personality. Jaden is a big personality. Drake May is a lifelong trained quarterback personality. JJ feels like he's been doing this since elementary school when it comes to knowing the right things to say the right ways and sort of getting everybody on the same page. Michael Penix Jr. is much more reserved. He's just he just is. So I think that we're going to see out of the combine overreaction to how well JJ does, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the some of these mocks start to let Michael Penix Jr. fall a little bit, partially because of the injury, partially because he's just not. I don't think interview is going to be his greatest strength. It's really strong. Jason Fitz, Yahoo Sports, with us on Tuesdays at this time. Thank you so much for coming on, and especially for that great Jaden Daniels nugget. Thank you so much. No, I appreciate you guys. Uh, yeah, Vinny, just take it easy on the shrimp cocktail sauce, okay, man? Like, it's, it's, come on. <laughs> it's too spicy. It's going to burn out your nostrils. Like, nobody, like, everybody says they want it, then they eat it, then they got to post it. Like, at least if you eat it and post it, like, find a different post. I don't know. I, I just, just take it easy on the shrimp cocktail sauce, my friend. Harry and Izzy's, baby. Harry and Izzy's. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Take care, my friend. And, uh, yeah, there's a fair amount of horseradish in that shrimp cocktail sauce. Is is that what I'm getting? Yeah, well, um, I'm going to, full disclosure, I hate shrimp cocktail, so I do not partake. Okay. Um, But, you know, last year uh, they brought in um, some of that uh, to Radio Row. And uh, and Q didn't, I don't think he quite realized, and I know, in fact, I know he didn't quite realize the potency of it. And so he tried it while we were on the air. And uh, oh there was like smoke coming out of his ears. He was, <laughs> was going to say you're going to have he the, almost the went down for the count. burps during uh, media availability. It wasn't so much that. It was like the literally the 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 instantaneous um, fire that it created in your mouth, in his mouth, and everything like that. I don't know what he had to deal with later on. Uh, probably that wasn't good either. But <laughs> in the me in the in, in real time, uh, he almost went down for the count. So yeah, you got to be careful. It's a cruel thing to do to somebody because it looks like it's so easy to handle <laughs> oh, with. Yeah. And uh, But, you know, let's go back to that nugget. The uh, pocket pressure number for Jaden Daniels, normally for uh, quarterbacks uh, coming out, it's around in the teens. Last year it was in the 30s for him, pocket pressure number. Uh, what does that tell you about what LSU was dealing with? Because I think that maybe says more about his ability to escape from pressure because it was absolutely evident from the moment his ball, the ball was hiked to him. Yeah, well, I mean, he ran for what eleven hundred yards. Uh, that so a lot of that was by design, but some of it was just Jaden Daniels doing Jaden Daniels' thing, probably because the pocket was collapsing um, in in rapid fashion. So uh, I don't know. Um, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm definitely gonna uh, have to start asking people about that that have that are in the know on that kind of thing. Uh, and if it was as bad as as you know, Fitzy's guys are, are 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 indicating, that is a concern. I mean, I guess. You know, um, he, he still was able to make things happen, though. He was yeah. such a dynamic player. And, and, you know, when I see 40 touchdowns and four interceptions, um, it's hard to it's hard to uh, wrap my head around that there was a lot of bad plays because that's just such an unbelievable ratio right there. Four interceptions on the amount of times that he threw 
uh, especially compared to the touchdowns and then the runs and the touchdowns that he had, um, you know, in, in that part of the game. I really would have to go back and look at it and really talk to some people that I trust uh, to, and not to question anything that, that Fitzy was saying. Obviously, he's got his, his people that he leans on. Uh, but but it'll be interesting to see what that really what that did look like and how much it plays into uh, his evaluation. I don't think he's going to get past number three, regardless. But it is a concern to to uh, to think about moving forward when he gets to the NFL. Yeah, and if anything, it kind of gives you an indicator of where he's at from a from a psychological standpoint. His most recent kind of environment that he had to learn from. There's <laughs> right. some corrections that you have to make whenever somebody makes a level change and, and tries to move up. But if you're a guy that has been able to create on the fly, a little, be that creator and, and stretch the pocket, that's amazing. But we also want to make sure that you're not breaking away from the structure if you don't have to. Plan and pinch, right? That, that delicate that's balance. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and part of that's going to be coaching. Part of that is going to be, you know, you're, you're, you're in the NFL. Um, you know, this is, but you know, Here's the here's the deal. Uh, wherever he goes, and you know, I I feel like the New England Patriots aren't as desolate as, as people uh, you know make them out to be, especially defensively. I think their defense always keeps them in games and should continue to do that next year. Um, I don't I don't necessarily think it's it's going to be one of those. I don't think it's going to be a Carolina situation in New England for whoever goes there if they stay and take a quarterback. It's a lot to me. It's better than what Carolina had last year, and that really put Bryce Young uh, behind an eight ball uh, with the talent around him. I think it's a little bit of a better situation uh, in Carolina. But the point being is that look, you know, you have you have uh, infrastructure around you, you have resources around you, uh, better than m- maybe you had at LSU. You don't have to play hero ball all the time, and you know that is a that, that's a learning uh, curve for for quarterbacks that had to do it that way mm-hmm. uh, in in college. I know that Patrick Mahomes uh, was was kind of cut from that cloth because he didn't have much at Texas Tech and and that was probably why it was beneficial for him to sit for a year uh, in Kansas City granted they had Alex Smith who was a very good quarterback until he got injured you know with the Washington the Washington Commanders so they were able to buy Patrick a, a little bit of time I'm not sure that if you go to New England if you're Jaden Daniels if they even want you sitting on the bench sometimes the best thing for young players uh, is to get out there and play and get that experience, even if it's going to be somewhat of a rocky road or somewhat rough. Uh, if you can grow and learn from that, there's a lot of benefit in that. You know, and also uh, uh, before we wrap up this portion of when, when Fitz talked about offensive linemen, he talked about you know kind of going to his guys like the Golics to learn about more about offensive line. We called it Fat Guy Love, and Joe Alt is a name that is uh, you know it, it's got so much uh, potential around it, but. 6'8", 315, and when you play for Notre Dame, you're just about known around everybody. Uh, what do, what do you th- how important is it for him to have a good combine just to kind of maintain that, that kind of superiority in the top tier of, uh, of tackles? Yeah, I mean, it's important. You know, you don't want to uh, come in here and, here and blow it. I don't think he is. And you look at the, the heritage now of Notre Dame offensive linemen, it's just like one after another. Uh, they keep producing. It's become offensive line uh, factory along with tight end as well. Um, so, you know, he's the next in, in line. And, you know, it's funny because uh, Fitzy, and, and I know that he says this, uh, you know, uh, with, with some sense of joking, you know, fat guys talking about fat guys. But you look at right. Joe Alt, there's not an ounce of fat on that dude. That guy is chiseled at, at his height. I think he's, what, 6'8 or so. I mean, right. he's just, it's amazing. And, uh, but, I, but, I, but I think he's going to knock it out of the park in all phases. He's just wired that way. He's the son of a former NFL player. He's been schooled uh, in all aspects. So, 
whoever gets him, I think he's going to get a cornerstone player for, for the next decade, barring uh, any sort of injuries. But, uh, but yeah, he's, he's just a, a, a tremendous player. And you, like I said, you look at who Notre Dame has produced along the offensive line uh, over the last, what, decade or so, 12 years. I mean, it goes back further than that, but of contemporary players. It's just one after another on studs that they put in the NFL, and Joe Alt's going to be uh, the next in line. All right, when we come back, we'll uh, get some thoughts up on the text line, 702-365-9200. We'll also talk to uh, Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network. We'll talk to him. He's their NFL draft analyst. We'll get his thoughts on the combine here on Raider Nation Radio. And anytime you get the hot uh, cocktail shrimp sauce, you got to wash it down with some Dos Caras tequila. Absolutely. Dos Caras are good uh, friends and uh, great partners. Uh, and, you know, the, the NFL Combine is going to be uh, televised. Uh, I think ESPN and NFL Network uh, runs it. So if you want to have a nice little cocktail while you're watching the NFL Combine uh, and you're in Las Vegas, you want to go run out and get some, uh, go to uh, Total Wine. It's a great store, by the way. Uh, they're all over Las Vegas. They have all of Dos Cotas's products. Uh, if you're not in Las Vegas, don't worry about it. Uh, you can go online to doscotaspirits.com, punch in the code word kickoff, and get 20% off your next online purchase of Dos Cotas Tequila. All right, be listening in about 10, 12 minutes. We'll give you a chance to win these amazing tickets, a four-pack for the Rugby League in Las Vegas this Saturday, March 2nd at Allegiant Stadium. It'll be for the first time ever. The National Rugby League will kick off its season on American soil. It'll be this Saturday at Allegiant Stadium. We got your four-pack of tickets to get you in to this amazing event. So be listening here on Raider Nation Radio. We'll hook you up with tickets for the Rugby League here in Las Vegas. 702-365-9200 is the number to reach us here on both the phones and on the text line as Vinny Bonsignor is live in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. And it is awesome because you're surrounded by, you know, where you're going to see coaches and players. And, you know, what will be some of the first uh, questions that you would like to see answered by Tom Telesco as he'll meet with the media today around 10 10 a.m.? Yeah, um, you know, it's the first time we're going to be talking to him uh, since his introductory press conference. And at that point, you know, it was like kind of full steam ahead for him hitting the ground running. So he's had a little bit of time now. Uh, I'm curious on uh, his thoughts about the roster, uh, what he was able to glean from his film work. I'm sure okay. uh, if he hasn't watched every single play <laughs> of last season, I'm pretty sure he's uh, pretty close to that. Um, Josh Jacobs, you know, uh, guys like Jermaine Illuminar, guys like Alex Van Ruten, uh, Andre James, these are all free agents to be, um, you know, uh, coming up here. And the Raiders have some decisions to make, obviously, on Justin, uh, or excuse me, on Josh Jacobs in terms of the franchise tag. I don't think that they're going to go in that direction. Um, but what's the next step uh, to make sure to keep J- Josh Jacobs here? Do they want to keep him here? I'm sure he's not going to, you know, uh, uh, expound too much on that, but I, I, I do want to, you know, uh, get his his thoughts on, on on where things are with Josh Jacobs first and foremost. Yeah, uh, we spent a good chunk of time talking about that with, with you, Vinny, last week. We kind of were thinking around eight mil a year if mm-hmm. we can get into that neighborhood. I think that something could certainly have some traction in bringing him back here. But another position group that uh, is going to go through some transitioning here is the tight ends, and I know that Michael Mayer, you and I are on the same page. Feature big part of this offense. Let's get the ball to eighty-seven as much as we can, but Austin Hooper is going to be hitting free agency after a quiet but somewhat useful season with the Raiders, so do you expect them to circle back to one another? And if not, what direction do you think they'll be going with this position group in a Getsy offense? 
Yeah, um, I'm calling up uh, who uh, who is available in terms of free agents uh, uh, at tight end. I think Austin, Austin is is somebody that's not going to break the bank. Sure. Uh, so he's somebody that um, you know could be uh, could still be uh, in the picture. I'm uh, looking at some free agents to be Hunter Henry, Henry Dalton Schultz, Gerald Everett. Uh, Gerald Everett is a guy that uh, I want to say did he play for the Chargers for a little while? And yeah. Telesco, I know he went to you know uh, after the Rams, so that's mm-hmm. somebody uh, to keep an eye on. Uh, Mike Gexy, uh, Noah Fant uh, is a free agent. Austin Hooper is a free agent. So you know, it looks like actually it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty decent free agent class for for tight ends. And I don't think any of the guys that we just mentioned are gonna are gonna break that bank. And of course, they're gonna be coming here kind of in that secondary role because I think it's Michael Mayer's time to really be that starter and shine. Um, so what are you looking for? Are you looking for more of a blocker? Are you looking for more of somebody that you can line up uh, outside and, and use as a weapon, somebody that sort of duplicates uh, what, what Michael Mayer does? You're going you're gonna to need three nowadays um, because of, of the way things are structured with tight end. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if two of those guys, or at least one of those guys we mentioned, uh, is somebody that they're interested in bringing in, and, and maybe another one that's kind of you know uh, a little bit under the radar in terms of exactly what the chart, what the Raiders want to do and get accomplished at the tight end position. You know, there was something also that Tom Telesco brought up in his introductory presser where he brought up the the number, the need for speed on offense. He's like, I would like to add more speed. And I, I think about some of the, the Charger rosters of recent time, like guys like they would draft and bring in Jalen Guyton or Josh Palmer, uh, those as wide receivers, even Josh Kelly uh, to a certain extent at running back. I wonder if he wants more speed, you know, at running back or at wide receiver or both. Uh, I think – Everywhere, <laughs> everywhere on the field. I know yes. Tom Telesco uh, is 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 uh, is is wired that way. A guy that I, I you know, depending on what happens with the quarterback position, depending on how many picks the Raiders still have left uh, when it's all said and done. But the Michigan running back to me, Blake Corum. Um, if you if you if you look at him, first of all, just the way uh, his body, you know, uh, is. Uh, kind of on the short side, but it reminds me a lot of Austin Eckler and does a lot of the same things that Austin Eckler did uh, coming out of Western Colorado back in the day. Was that 2017? I think it was. But somebody that you know, um, in spite of the size, and that's gonna that's that's the only reason we're talking about Blake as a second day pick uh, is because of you know uh, his 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 size. You know, five eight. You know, two what is it, about uh, 200 pounds or so. Uh, if he was bigger, he'd be talked about as a first-round pick because the production was certainly there. But somebody like that uh, who brings speed, uh, who brings pass-catching ability, uh, who 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 obviously can uh, can be a factor in the run game, and not necessarily as your everyday down in and down out kind of a back, but sort of a you know what Austin Eckler ended up becoming with the Chargers. Somebody like that, I think, would be great in the Luke Getzey offense. Uh, and I and I know that you know based on Tom Telesco's history, uh, he understands the importance of of those kinds of players that can bring a lot of that speed, a lot of that versatility to your offense. Yeah, uh, they got a big task ahead of them this week, evaluating a lot of big-time players at the draft combine. That's where Vindog is hanging out. And uh, yesterday I was making my way through the final uh, piece by Peter King, one of the absolute legends in this building, or in this building, I wish, in this business. Uh, but he had some final thoughts, uh, quick final thoughts about the upcoming season. He thinks that Brady is going to be good in a booth, uh, okay. the TB booth. He also thinks Jason Kelsey will have a bright future in that if he decides to to go down that road. He provided a multi-pronged trade scenario involving the Bears, Commanders, and Falcons, where the Bears trade back twice. But then he also predicts bad vibes for the Eagles. But the real 
uh, nugget that I want to chew on with you a little bit here, Vinny, is that he named a player that he think is under the most pressure in 2024, and he named one Mr. Justin Herbert. Is there anybody else that you would put in the same pantheon as, you better show something ASAP, kid? Well, I don't believe that Justin Herbert's in that uh, in the, in that category. And I, I uh, some people were hitting me up that you guys were talking about the possibility of the tra- of the Chargers trade. Tra- yeah, that was an interesting Herbert. exercise yesterday. Yeah, yeah. That, that that ain't <laughs> happening. And and even if the even if uh, Jim Harbaugh, who one of the reasons he's there is because of Justin Herbert, but exactly. even if he even if he felt that way, there's no way they're trading him to the uh, to the Raiders. So uh, let's not even go down that fantasy lane as, as, as great as that would be for the Raiders. That's not happening. Um, I mean, I think there's pressure on Justin Herbert because, you know, it's time for you to – this will be his third offensive coordinator now, you know. Um, and, and it always – and we've talked about this. We've always felt like um, it's always somebody else's fault. And I'm not saying he's not a great quarterback because he is, but he hasn't won at a, at a, at a high level. You look mm-hmm. at some of the other quarterbacks in that class. Joe Burrow's been to a Super Bowl. Justin Fields has been to a Super Bowl. Jordan Love won a playoff game. Um, you know, so and, – and, and uh, Tua – you know, they've gotten to the playoffs a few times. But both of those guys, I think Tua falls into that category, absolutely. Justin's got his money. He's not going anywhere. Uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh go, is going there to make that work, and we'll see if it does. Tua, I think, has a little bit of pressure on him. He doesn't have the big contract yet. Yeah. And I think that the Miami Dolphins do have a question uh, to ask, you know, because how many division championships have the Miami Dolphins won? How many playoff games has he won? What's the big game? Is there even a signature big game? On Tua's uh, resume, I don't. I'm, I'm hard pressed to find a big win uh, that they have. They've been, you know, they, they, they kind of remind me. Last year's Dolphins team kind of reminds me of the old Clippers teams. You know, Lob City. They were front runners. You know, they mm. were they were great when it was great, but you smack them a little bit, uh, and and generally speaking, they're gonna they're gonna buckle a little bit. And I, I didn't see Tua, and I didn't see the Dolphins win enough big games, if any, really, when you think about it. They beat who they were supposed to beat, but when they played teams. You know that were they're equal or or you know slightly better than uh, they did not respond to it. Has he played well in cold weather? So when I look at guys that that are under some pressure, I think Tua definitely uh, is under pressure this year. Well, it's funny because Peter King thinks that the the Dolphins are on the precipice of something really special, and maybe this year know. was kind of like you said that dizzying punch where it's like we can't be this disruptible. It can't be this fragile, right? And so hopefully uh, there is some progress for them because I would like that AFC East to get even just a little bit more contentious and I want to push the Jets down uh, as as deep as possible but Clay I do want to step because now that we're talking about the AFC East the Jets they're in the big time conversation Mm -hmm. for an offensive line help at any juncture to protect Aaron Rodgers Uh, how big of a player do you think they're going to be and and, and have you talked to anybody that zeroed in on somebody that they think is going to be a really good fit for the Jets organization as they try to go for it all this year Boy, I'll tell you what, um, that's where somebody like Joe Alton, depending on how yeah. that draft plays out, uh, could could play could play pretty big because, um, you know, if you could protect – obviously it's they got to protect Aaron Rodgers, not only coming off the injury, but, you know, you want to protect your quarterback. You want to uh, give him confidence back there that uh, that it's, it's not going to be uh, just a beatdown week in and week out. Uh, and if you can if you can protect Aaron Rodgers, I think that – uh, you're going to see the difference <laughs> with the Jets uh, this year. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to, uh, you know, be viable week in and week out. So offensive line is is definitely something uh, that I would think that they would be uh, uh, looking at. And plus, there's so many good wide receivers in this draft as well. Do you get True. him another weapon uh, a, a, as well? So I think I think sitting at number ten, I don't think the Jets really necessarily need to do go anywhere. Uh, I have a feeling that just sitting there at number ten 
there's going to be a great player, whether it's a wide receiver or a tackle, that, that falls to their lap. Has Aaron Rodgers ever gotten a receiver in the first round? Uh, no, but that's <laughs> that would actually be-, be perfect if he's like, I have to get it. He's yeah. tempted, and it's actually you need an offensive line, <laughs> but he needs that. He needs another set of hands. That'd be perfect. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, we were talking uh, to a Steelers writer um, who knows Luke Getzey really well. I guess they grew up in the kind of the same area, and uh, you know, uh, he was telling us that um, we were having a, a conversation with him uh, earlier this morning that that Aaron Rodgers is really big on Luke Getzey, and and so is Devonte. They played. Uh, for 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 Luke. In fact, um, uh, it sounds like Aaron championed his cause to come back after McCarthy got fired uh, from Green Bay. Uh, Luke went someplace else, and 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 Aaron was like, "Look, we need Luke back," and uh, brought him back to the building. Was able. It was kind of behind him returning to the uh, to the Packers under under Matt Lafleur. So huh. uh, if you're if you're looking for good signs, I mean, nobody knows the game of football inside and out better than Aaron Rodgers. So. The fact that he advocated for uh, a Luke Getzey, I think, is a uh, is a feather in Luke Getzey's uh, hat. Wow, that's that's a, a stunning. Yeah. Or another accolade, recruiting tactic. Know? He's yeah. always angling. <laughs> He's always working. We'll step aside. We'll get back to Vinny live in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. Lindsay and I here in Las Vegas. And now a time for you to win a four pack of tickets by calling 702-365-9200. Be caller number nine, and we'll hook you up with a four pack of tickets for the Rugby League in Las Vegas Saturday, March second at Allegiant Stadium. Tickets are available at AllegiantStadium.com, but you can watch this for the first time ever live. The National Rugby League kicks off the debut. The season debut begins this Saturday on American soil. Pre-game tailgate party actually starts at 3. Don't want to miss that. First match at 5.30. Call now, 702-365-9200. Be caller number 9. You get hooked up with a four-pack of tickets for rugby at Allegiant Stadium. Absolutely brutal news. This is just to unreal. Start. Yeah. Let, let, let's, we got we to gotta break the news yeah. to the world. Welcome back to the gate. Uh, Clay, Lindsay, Vinny on location at uh, the Draft Combine in Indianapolis. And I, I know we're not trying to get people going. We are against the business model, at least on this show, to get people outraged about stuff. We don't want to be emotionally manipulative. We want to be entertaining. We want to be creative <laughs> and send you about your day, hopefully, with a good experience sure. and a conversation. But when word comes down from one of my favorite fast foodie establishments, that's right, when you are in the crosshairs this morning. They are apparently going to begin experimenting with surge pricing in 2025, where they'll be testing a variety of enhanced features like digital mu- uh, menu boards with dynamic pricing that offers different things at certain parts of the day, AI-enabled menu changes, and suggestive selling based on factors such as whether, damn it, Vinny, I love a good chocolate frosty, but this might just be too damn much. So what, I'm I'm not following. What exactly are they proposing? So yeah, do you know what surge pricing is? Like when you yeah, order like an Uber and everybody's trying to order yeah. the Uber at the same time, they can bump the prices and then you'll pay more to get what you want. That's what right. they're going to do with the Wendy's food. So instead of a $25 ride, it's a $75 ride. But for the food, for fast food, right. what is your breaking point for like, I really got to have this? Um trying to think of what my you know if I'm if I'm spending if if I'm spending anything more than 12 bucks at a fast food place for a meal you know combo it's probably a little bit too much 
Yeah. That's a tough but, sell today too, because like bucks, honestly, yeah. they're they're it's right around twelve for like a yeah. regular meal, and I'm some like sure. I'll go smorgasbord and I'll order a bunch of different items and I'll have little pieces of each one, especially if I'm going to like BK or something. Okay. But it it gets the total up there. God forbid you get an extra taco, it's another four dollars. <laughs> it's right. it's unbelievable. Yeah, no, gotta go, gotta even go look at the uh, check that ninety nine cent uh, menu. Ooh. Yeah, and then just do the math. You know, try to quickly do the math. Do the math. And then, and then figure out if uh, if you're coming out ahead or not. And usually, what they've got geniuses that take care of pricing. So uh, you're usually going to come off a little bit better doing it the um, doing it the meal route. Um, they want yeah. you to do that, obviously. Uh, but but generally speaking, you're going to you're going to get off. Uh, a little uh, less harsh uh, doing it the, uh, the the meal menu way. You know, I can appreciate they want surge pricing because maybe they can see a discrepancy that they're not making money in the way they thought they would on certain things. But can I get a guarantee that the fries will look and taste like the fries I'm supposed to get if right. I was at a drive-through? Because fries, if they sit too long or, or if they're in an insulated thing, they get wet, they get moist, and they become soggy. And there's no reclamation for those fries. And I yeah, like fries. I'm- I same here. I'm, I'm just wondering if it's going to go. If it's if if the whole trick of the thing is that uh, certain parts of the day it's going to go. Prices are going to go down. I can't see that they're going to go up. That's that. Def- you know what I'm saying? Like, Ooh, like right. I, I, yeah. yeah, so I, I think we're we might be reading it <laughs> wrongly. Oh, I, I think that they're going to give people a break. Uh, I think that's what it's going to ultimately be. Because who who in their right mind uh, would say yes? Uh, you know what? From two o'clock to three o'clock this is going to cost twice as much as it normally does that's not a great campaign big I, food I corp you're going to believe in big food corp and dog come no, I think, on I, th- I think the way they do re- the right thing what well it's not <laughs> trust me it won't be the right i mean it, it'll make that it'll end up making them more money because they're going to probably double their their audience by going half price at this you know so people rush over there uh to go take advantage of the surge pricing which i think is going to go down rather than up uh, and then it's going to result in more customers for for that period of the day, uh, and 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 they're going to they're going to make off like bandits. So in there, you know, even though they're not going up, they're going down. They're probably going to make more money as a result. Or hook, line, and sinker, just like you know, IHOP but, but, said they're going to do burgers instead of pancakes, and it was all a joke, and they got great brand recognition right, out of it because we were all talking right. about it. Yeah, that's true. There's no way that somebody consulted them and said yes. Uh, for for you know three a three hour window let's double the prices on everything that's not going to go over well. Everybody else it's has gonna, been doing it. it. They're going to come across. Uh, th- there, there's been surge pricing before. Like this. I would just say, like inflation in general. I think it's just well, like, yeah, you yeah, need yeah. To double your profits right for now. Sure. Would you do it at the expense of the customer? Most of them say yes. For well, yeah, um, but yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, although you know, uh, Arthur um, Blank uh, with the uh, with the Atlanta Falcons, the owner of the Falcons. When he built Mercedes Dome, uh, he said, I don't want whatever you pay outside for a burger or a hot dog or a beer is what you're going to pay uh, in my building. And so he, he held the line uh, and held firm on that. And, and if you go look at the pricing at Mercedes uh, Benz Stadium, uh, he's true to his word. They ended up, I think, that first year um, doubling their proceeds, their, their revenue from the year before oh, yeah. on food and beverage because people bought more because <laughs> mm. it was cheaper. They so, showed up early. Yeah, exactly. Instead of instead of doing it on the outside, out, outside in the uh, you know uh, d- uh, whether going to a restaurant before the game or 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 uh, doing it in the parking lot, they came inside and did and and and, and bought because it was cheaper. So I have a hard time believing that Wendy's um, is going to. It'll be a colossal mistake if they if if that's their campaign that we're going to actually charge you more. You win by charging them less and. 
in that you know uh, even with that path you end up making more because you're attracting more people to your establishment. Yeah, I'm sure Arthur Blank's a great guy, but I just don't, I can't get behind anyone who used the logic. My main operation day is Sunday, so I'm going to put a Chick-fil-A in here. I just, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. But that's okay. I'm sure he's <laughs> He fine. is a really good, he, and he, he really is a good guy. So, uh, but yeah, they have Chick-fil-A's at Home Depot's? No, inside their stadium, they inside have a Chick-fil-A, and it's never well, even mean, open because they're closed they, on Sundays. They close on Sundays. It's a day of rest. Okay, all right, we got to take a break. Uh, Ian Cummings comes up next from Pro Football Network. He'll talk about the uh, NFL Combine and more. It's Raider Nation Radio.